with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 14. 1 Chronicles chapter 14 and verse 1. Esther was a uniquely gifted individual. She was uh, given great beauty by God, but she was also given intelligence and uh, was given favor in the eyes of the king of Persia. He took her into his family, and she became his wife. And ultimately, as Haman, the uh, anti-Semitic uh, ruler there in, uh, next to the king uh, began a plot to destroy the, the people of Israel. Mordecai comes to his cousin Esther and says, Look, perhaps God has raised you up for such a time as this. In other words, all the gifts that you have, all the things that God has given you, uh, and the position that God has given you, perhaps. God has brought you to this very moment in time so that you can make a difference for him. Uh, I believe that all of us are called to use the things that God has given us in service for him. Uh, in this scripture we're going to look at tonight, uh, King David, is, um, he's been uh, anointed uh, in Hebron uh, over the southern kingdom of Judah. He's beginning his reign and um, is, is being blessed. Hiram, king of Tyre, he comes and he brings uh, these materials to build David a palace. He brings all these craftsmen uh, to fashion this wood. And David says, hey, I recognize God's given me some favor uh, and he has, he has blessed me and he's done so for the sake of his people Israel. Uh, then David has the Philistines come against him. He calls upon the Lord. He says, Lord, should I go out and fight them in battle? God says, go on, head on up and fight them. And he does, and he wins a victory. And he says, God has broken out against my enemies. Then they come up again, and he says, should I go out against them? And God says, well, this time, no, break off. And you go around the, the balsam trees and, and balsam trees, and you, uh, you wait there, and when you hear the sound of marching in the trees, you go forward because I will have gone forward before you and you'll win the victory. And so David does, and God gives him the victory. And his fame spreads to the area uh, around him. And the Bible says he put the fear of God upon the nations around him. Uh, God is blessing David in a remarkable way. Uh, and the key is, for the sake of my people Israel. God blessed him for a reason, to use the talents, the positions that he had uh, to bless the people of God. Of course, we do that to honor God as well. The title of my message is, Why God Has Blessed You. And we need to use those things that God has given us, the resources he's given us, the knowledge that he's given us, the positions that he's given us to help others and further the kingdom of God. And so uh, look with me at verse 1 here of 1 Chronicles 14. It says, King Hiram of Tyre sent envoys to David along with cedar logs, stone masons, and carpenters to build a palace for him. Then David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that his kingdom had been exalted for the sake of his people Israel. David took more wives in Jerusalem and he became the father of more sons and daughters. 
These are the names of the children born to him in Jerusalem. Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, uh, Ephelet, uh, uh, Noga, Nephig, Jephia, Elishama, Bileada, and Eliphet. Um, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, they all went in search of David. When David heard this, uh, he went out to face them. Now the Philistines had come and raided the valley of Rephaim, so David inquired of God, Should I attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied, Attack, and I will hand them over to you. So the Israelites went up to Baal-perazim, uh, and David defeated the Philistines there. David said, like a bursting flood, God has used me to burst out against my enemies. Therefore, they named that place, the Lord Bursts Out. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David ordered that they be burned in the fire. Once again, the Philistines raided the valley. So David again inquired of God, and God answered him, Do not pursue them directly. Circle around them and attack them opposite the balsam trees. Uh, when you... Hear the sounding of marching in the top of the balsam trees, then go out to battle, for God will have gone out ahead of you to strike down the army of the Philistines. So David did as God commanded him, and they struck down the Philistine army from Gibeon to Gezer. Then David's fame spread throughout the lands, and the Lord caused all the nations to be terrified of him. So why God has blessed you? Why has he given us the blessing that we have? Well, first of all, you have been established to serve. You have been established to serve. Now, some of you may not yet be established in some way, uh, but many of you are. You've been established. You, you, you know uh, kind of what your, what your uh, situation is in life. You're not worried about where, where am I going to have a job or uh, what is my future going to be. You're, you're established. God has given you resources Perhaps he's given you a house to live in, uh, and he's given you gifts and so forth, and, and you're established in life. Uh, perhaps uh, you are in that stage of life where you've got an empty nest. Uh, you know, it's amazing when, when you have an empty nest, how much more money you have. Um, and so you've got resources. And so you're established to serve. Uh, verse 2, David knew that the Lord had established him as king. In other words, he is he has uh, given him a strong foundation. He is king over Israel, and there's not any concern about that. God has established him, and his kingdom has been exalted for the sake of his people Israel, on account of Israel. God didn't bless David because he thought, well, you know what? David just deserves all this blessing, so I'm going to bless him uh, more than I bless other people. Uh, God blessed David so that David could be a blessing to others. Did you know that all that we have, the, the finances that we have, the gifts that we have, the positions that we have, are given to us by God for a reason, so that we can use them, first of all, for His glory, but also for other people. Uh, David is established, and what is he going to do? He's going to serve the people. God didn't establish David so that he could strut around like a rooster, and God didn't establish him so that he could show off to his friends. God established him so that he could be a blessing and serve the people. 
how might he serve them? Well, he'd provide good leadership. One of the things he did was he, he was a great organizer. He organized the worship services in the temples. And uh, they had so many Levites and priests, and he organized them into rotations that lasted down to the time when, you remember Zachariah and Elizabeth in the New Testament? Zachariah, they're still following that same rotation. And Zechariah goes on his rotation to do his temple service as David had established so many years before. David also organized the government. Uh, the government was in shambles. Uh, and they, they take the city of Jerusalem, and David establishes the government and organizes the government so the people can live in, in security, and uh, there's an efficiency in the government. Uh, and David also... Uh, serves them by maintaining his own spiritual life. That's a key many people don't realize. Uh, did you know in order to be effective for God in your service for God, you need to be walking with God. You need to be close to God. I, I saw, uh, heard about this study uh, recently uh, that uh, the average pastor spends five minutes a day in prayer. That is a travesty. You have nothing to give. If you're not spending time with God, you have nothing to give. Uh, God, if you're not walking in the filling of the Spirit, uh, if you're not being uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit, you've got nothing to give. Listen, I recognize. I, I get depleted. On uh, Sunday night after church, I'm probably going to go home and the caffeine's going to wear off. And uh, my wife will tell you a lot of times, I about, I about can't say my own name on Sunday night. I, I'm just done. And, uh, and then I, I get up the next day, and sometimes I, I'm not quite over it the next day. Uh, but but uh, we, have, we have limits as God's people, don't we? And I've found I need that daily refreshment in Christ. I, I need the, the Word of God every day. I need uh, to spend some time in worship every day. Uh, I need to be in prayer every day so that God can refresh me and get me in the right place and get me out of the way so that I can serve Him. One of the reasons I believe God used David so powerfully is the Scripture says he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who was regularly worshiping God. All you got to do is look at the Psalms to see that. He was regularly praising God. He was in the Word of God. Uh, we don't know who wrote Psalm 119, but I kind of think David wrote it. Uh, one of the verses in Psalm 119 says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. He said, well, I can't get enough of your word, Lord. I, I love your word, and I'm refreshed by it, and I'm strengthened by it, and I'm helped by it. And, uh, and, and, and David says, Hey, uh, I need this time with God. In his time of discouragement as he ran from Saul, the Bible says he encouraged himself in his God. He learned these lessons when he was going through trial and when he was going through difficulty and then he uses those same lessons as he's established so that he can effectively serve the people around him. Did you know if you want to be a good husband and a good father, you need to spend time with God. If you want to be as effective as you can be in your workplace and impacting people for Jesus Christ, you need to spend time with God. You need to be in prayer uh, and uh, asking God to help you have the right attitude maybe towards someone at work that is giving you a hard time. Or perhaps uh, to, to, to use you 
to reach that person who's not open to spiritual things. And you take those things and, and you, you spend that time with God and it prepares the way for you to serve other people more effectively. So uh, why has God blessed you? Well, he's established you to serve. Um, I think of uh, the first pastor I worked with uh, on paid staff was a man named Ron Ferguson, great guy. And I love him, and I uh, still ask my sister about him, and he asked my sister about me. I need to go see him next time I'm up in that area. Uh, but uh, one of the things I remember about him was his generosity. Uh, he was older and established. I call him older, but now I'm that age, you know. Uh, but uh, uh, he, would, he would give. I, he was so generous, and he, would just, he was always giving to people. He'd get, he gave me some stuff. I've still got his uh, Lambert. Some of you who've lived in that area know what Lambert's is. I got me a big old Lambert's cup that I have had for 20 years. Okay? And listen, uh, he, was, he was always giving. He was always, uh, he'd, he'd give a bunch of money to teenagers. Hey, go take out your friends to, to dinner. Uh, you know, that's just the kind of guy he was. He was using his resources to bless other people. Uh, using his time to bless other people, too. Um, he would uh, he he taught in a community college there, and he would uh, befriend the kids that were there and, and invest in them. And uh, we saw a number of those kids come to faith in Christ in our church because of his investment. He was investing his life. Um, I I think of someone else in that church. Uh, I don't even remember her name, but uh, she might be the most significant person in that church because of the impact she had for Jesus Christ. She uh, had been married to a pastor, and she had a prayer ministry. And she prayed for pastors and churches in three counties. And she would spend days praying for all these different people. And, and the impact that, that that had, I think, in that local church there was truly amazing. She was investing. She was using the resources, the spiritual gift and the spiritual burden that God had given her to invest in other people and uh, she had been established spiritually. She, she's one of the most impressive people. She'd sit, she didn't bring her Bible to church because she had it memorized. She'd sit there on the front pew, and the pastor would be reading the Scripture, and I could see her mouthing the words. I thought, man, that is the most impressive thing ever. I was so uh, kind of in awe of that. But uh, she was investing. Uh, what, about, what about those who, who uh, are, are lay people who invest in these teenagers or who invest in these kids? Um, I heard a, a preacher on the radio talking about uh, his Sunday school teacher when he was a little boy. He says, you know, I don't remember anything she told me. I probably, you know, he probably learned some things there. But he said, what I remember more than anything else is how she loved me. He said, I didn't really deserve that love. I was, I would act up. I was, I was uh, into things and everything, but she loved me, and I've never forgot that. Um, I, I think of a, of a foster parent uh, who, uh, an evangelist friend of mine, uh, when he was a little boy, he was the worst recorded case of child abuse in his county. Um, and he went into foster care, and he's in the home of this woman. She's of a different race. But you know what she told him? She said, Alan, Jesus loves you. Do you know he never forgot that? He grew up, he was in special forces. He was a, he was a, a bad dude. I mean, he, he was, he was a, I think he was an army ranger. Anyway, 
uh, his, he was a fifth degree black belt and everything. Anyway, he goes and he, his, his sensei led him to Christ. But he said, I never forgot what that woman said to me when I was five years old. And God got a hold of my heart and he had opened my heart to Jesus. And her investment in my life made a difference. And, you know, you think about that. And God has established us for a reason to be a blessing to others. All right. So we're established to serve. Secondly, we're made fruitful to bless. We're made fruitful to bless. Now, God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Eve and Stacy and Margaret. And, you know, uh, you know, one man, one woman for a lifetime is God's plan. Okay, but they did. God did allow uh, the polygamy in the Old Testament. Um, so, having said that, David was very fruitful uh, and had a lot of children. And if you look at verse four, it says these are the names of the children born to him in Jerusalem: Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon. We talked about this a few weeks ago. It showed up in chapter three. Um, Nathan was the ancestor of the Virgin Mary, physically speaking, right? Uh, and Solomon was the ancestor of Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, right? Joseph adopts Jesus. He becomes part of the line of Christ by legal adoption uh, through Solomon, but he's also part of the line of Christ through Nathan from his mother. The physical ancestry of Jesus, he is the seed of David and the seed of Abraham. Um, but why did God give David all these kids? He gave him these kids for a reason. He made him fruitful so that he could bless others. Did you know as you train your kids in the things of God, you're causing them to become a blessing? The Bible says the words of the righteous are a fountain of life. You teach your kids to love Jesus, you're going to make them a blessing to the people they come across. Uh, you teach your kids how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to help them be a blessing uh, to the people they come across. And what's, so what's David doing as he invests? Now, he wasn't perfect. He didn't do this perfectly, and there were issues in his family. Now, all you got to do is read the whole story uh, uh, that's found in Samuel and, and Kings and so forth, to understand that David's family did have some issues. But this godly heritage is carried down through the generations, and you've got this godly young man named Joseph and this godly virgin girl named Mary, and God sets them apart to raise his son. Is that not an amazing thing? Think about the impact of that. Uh, are you fruitful? Has God given you children? Then invest in those kids. Teach them the things of God. Listen, can I tell you something? Your kids are probably not going to play professional sports, right? Uh, how much time do we spend at the ball field? I tell you what, I, I, I get tired. I, I mean, I'm not a legalist, okay? If you want to play ball, hey, go for it. But it's amazing. We'll spend four and five hours a day on football or basketball or baseball, but won't spend two hours a month on Jesus. There's something wrong with that picture. And what will I hear them say? Well, sports uh, teaches character. 
Okay, let's think about that for a second. Uh, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. I can't tell you how many Dallas Cowboys have been in jail. And it's not just the Cowboys for you other fans, okay? Uh, but uh, a bunch of them, they've done all kinds of wicked things. And uh, listen, if sports, now listen, I understand there's some discipline you can learn. I understand that. But if you want to teach your kids character, bring them to the house of God. I know I'm teaching, I'm talking to the Sunday night crowd, right? Bring them to the house of God. So, invest in their lives. Talk about the word of God with them. Um, <laughs> my son, I used to, uh, th- th- when they were little, they had short attention spans. So, I was trying to kind of invest in them. And so, I was trying to teach them the Ten Commandments. And I tried to do a commandment at breakfast because they were both seated there eating. And I figured I had a captive audience. So I could, I could just kind of uh, go over it. Okay, what's, what's our commandment that, that we've been doing? Well, I don't know. Okay, well, this is what it is. Okay. And then, uh, and, you know, David, said, David told me, he said, Dad, he said, when you used to do that, I used to be so bored. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I could tell, you know, his attention was just like that uh, dog in that, in that Disney movie. Bird, you know. Uh, I mean, that's the way he was. But... Uh, over time, they learn those Ten Commandments. I don't know how much they appreciated it at the time. I think they would rather have been talking about something else or doing something else. Uh, sometimes I would talk to them about spiritual things later on. And sometimes there'd be, uh, you know, you can kind of tell the body language. They're, they're not engaged. They're not really interested in this, you know, but I'd tell them anyway. Uh and uh, I was praying also. I was praying all this time. I'm praying, Lord, let this, this seed that's being sown uh, bear fruit. Uh, but it was a while before it did. Thank God uh, my kids began to seek after the Lord. And, and, you know, it's by God's grace. You know, many times I had no idea what I was doing. I was praying about, Lord, help me. Uh, but but uh, invest in those kids. Invest, because one day you and I are going to be gone, right? If Jesus tarries, we're going to be gone, and our kids are going to be holding the reins of the church. And if all we've taught them is how to play ball, we're in serious trouble as a church in America. We need to teach them the Word of God. All right. So we're established to serve. Why God bless us? We're established to serve. We're made fruitful to bless. We're gifted to overcome. Now, this is kind of interesting, and I understand there's spiritual gifts that God gives us. There's talents that God gives us. But in this case, God gave David a task, okay? And if God gives you a task, along with that comes the presumption that God will be with you to help you complete that task, right? So, uh, David says in verse 10, Should I attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? Literally, will you give them into my hand? Uh, and, And God says, attack and I... We'll hand them over to you, or I will give them into your hand. It was a gift of God. God is giving David this victory. God says to David, this is what I want you to do. David says, should I do this? God says, this is what I want you to do. And David goes forth in faith and overcomes. Did you know when God calls you to do something, he'll provide the grace you need to do it? When God gives you something to do, you can have confidence that God will go with you. 
Um, I love the fact that God gives us things to do. Um, I've shared with you about uh, my first experience preaching and how I said I'm never going to do that again. When I was I was a freshman in high school, uh, five minutes I, I couldn't think of anything else to say, and uh, I thought I'm never doing that again. But can I tell you something? God prepared me. He took me through some steps of preparation, prepared my heart, and then he called me to preach. He gave me a task to do. Now, I could have said, Lord, hey, my history's not been good with this preaching thing. I, I don't think I need to do that. But I said, okay, Lord. I, said, I did tell him, I said, Lord, would you please make this very clear to me? Because I want to know this is you. I don't want to just step out in presumption. And God did. In his grace, he, he made it clear to me. And um, I surrendered to preach. And can I tell you something? God, God has so blessed me through this course of my service to him. And I believe that is the case in anything, that, anything God's gifted you to do, any purpose he has for you to fulfill. There is a satisfaction in the fulfillment of that purpose. Um, I thought I was going to be going a different direction. I had plans. I had gone to school for other things. You know, and, and then God says, okay, no, this is what I want you to do. But it was a great blessing. And God has been with me throughout. He's been with me through some very difficult times. He's been with me through some great times. He's never forsaken me. When he gives you a task he's gifted you so that you can overcome and so um, there have been a lot of things I've tried to do in my own strength and I have failed but when God has led me to do something I've noticed this pattern when God lays it on on my heart he provides the grace to do it and he brings the purposes that he has for it to pass this is what he does does with David he, uh, these purposes come to pass. He's gifted to overcome. Um, my mother worked with some uh, preschool kids uh, in, a, in several places over the years, and uh, they were not allowed to, to bring up uh, the gospel with these kids because this was a secular context, and, but they could let them speak. And so... My mother would, would pray for opportunities to let the kids speak. And uh, she, she was telling me one time, she said, yeah, there's this little boy who's an atheist who told me he didn't believe in God. And, this, uh, and I, so I'm sitting here praying, Lord, how do I respond to this? Would, you know, and uh, would you help me with this? And this little girl pops up and she says, well, I believe in God. And, uh, you know, and she begins to basically preach to him. And, uh, you know. But hey, you know, God was with her in that context. Um, here's another example using her. Uh, when she was working over in Oak Ridge with some, with some preschool kids, this little Chinese girl uh, had just come over from China. Her parents were working at Oak Ridge, and uh, she couldn't speak a word of English. And, and she was dropped off there at daycare, and she was crying. And, and my, my mom comforted her. And uh, we're just kind of being sweet to her. And there's this bond that formed, okay? And, and that little girl just loved my mom to death. Miss Beverly, Miss Beverly this, Miss Beverly that. 
And uh, my mom actually uh, sent them a letter. Uh, again, she couldn't speak about it at her work. She sent them an anonymous letter uh, to share the gospel with them. And uh, uh, they, did, they got to the point where they were going to move and go back to China. Well, she and this little girl, uh, the little girl wanted to correspond by mail with her. And so um, mom had, her, had their address and their corresponding and so forth. About a month or two after they moved to back to China, uh, they had a speaker in their church come and sh to share about missions. And uh, one of those individuals was getting ready to go to China. And guess where he was going? He was going to be about 10 minutes from where these people lived. My mom passed on that address so that he could minister to those people in China. Listen, we serve an awesome God. If you're just right in the center of your will, it doesn't matter where you are, but you're doing what God has called you to do, God will enable you and he'll work on your behalf. And the purposes that God has for your life will be achieved. By his supernatural power. David won the victory over the Philistines because God had given it to him to do. So why has God blessed you? He's established you to serve. Made you fruitful so you can bless. He's gifted you so you can overcome. And he's redirected so that you can receive. You look at verse 15. This time God says, no, don't, don't uh, continue to pursue them. Verse 15, he says, when you hear the sound of marching uh, in the tops of the balsam trees, then go out for battle, for God will have gone out ahead of you to strike down the army of the Philistines. You're redirected to receive what God has for you. David's told, no, don't keep pursuing them. You go over by those balsam trees. You say, well, where is that? I don't, I don't know. Okay, but David knew. So David goes over, and he's standing there. And God's told him, when you hear the sound of marching, then you go on up because God's given you the victory. Uh, he's redirected. You know, sometimes redirections are uncomfortable, aren't they? We get comfortable. You know, this is what I like. This is, this is where I'm comfortable. This is uh, what I like to do. And then God redirects us. And we're out of our comfort zone. And what, what, what is this about? Uh, God redirects David in, in some specifics of how he's to do the battle, and then God gives him the victory. But God sometimes will redirect us in life. Uh, he, he may, uh, what we thought we were going to do, I just mentioned a few moments ago about I was pursuing music. And God says, no, that's not what I have for you. I have the passionate for you. Well, God, I've already done two years of school as a music major. What, what are you talking about? Uh, you know, I've, I've spent money, God. I mean... Uh, no, God says, I've got a different path for you. And he's redirected me. Um, God will often do that. And when he does that, he's not trying to destroy your life. He's trying to get you to receive what he has for you so that you can live in the fullness of his blessing and what he created you to be and do. Did you know God has every day of your life written in his book? That sounds like planning to me. He's got a purpose for you. He has before, think about this. This will blow your mind just a little bit, probably. 
before God ever said, let there be light, he had a plan for your life. He had written his plan down for your life. So why would I try to go against God's plan? If it's a plan that God had for me before the foundation of the world, it must be pretty important. Why would I not listen to God and allow God to redirect me so that I could receive his purpose? I I heard um, this could sometimes happen in a witnessing situation. I was reading a book, I believe it was by R.A. Torrey years ago. And he was sharing that he had been uh, witnessing to this man, and he'd preached this message and everything. This man was clearly under conviction. He'd been talking to him, and he felt like God just said, you be quiet, you, you close the service, you, you don't say a word to him, and let him go home. So he said, well, that's kind of odd, Lord. He's under conviction. I would think you'd want me to go talk to him. Don't, don't, don't talk to him. God's redirecting him, right? So uh, the man goes home, and for a week, He can't sleep at night. He's under such terrible conviction. He can't sleep. He finally comes to the man. He said, you've got to tell me how to be saved. I can't even sleep at night. I've been this way for a week. What's God doing? He's prepared his heart. He's ready. He's desperate to trust in Jesus Christ. And because he let him redirect him, this man was able to come to Christ. Sometimes if we just listen to God, hey, guess what? God knows better better than we do. What a concept is that? That God might know more than me, right? Or more than you. But he does. And so we let him redirect it. And when we do, we receive the blessing that he has for us to receive. David obeyed God. Not only did he win the victory, but he gained a reputation in that area and, and all the countries were afraid to attack him. They were terrified of him. The fear of God had come upon him, and the promise of God had been achieved through his ministry. And guess what? It was all for the sake of others. David wins the victory over the Philistines. Why? So the people of Israel can have security. Uh, he's investing in kids. Why? So that Israel, and guess what? The nations could be blessed through that descendant who would come named Jesus. Uh, He's been established. Why? So that he can serve the people as a leader. All this blessing that God has brought to his life brought with it responsibility. A responsibility to listen to God and to use those resources that he had been given and the position and the gifts he had been given to serve Jesus. And uh, the same is true for us today. We're responsible to listen to the Lord. Uh, did you know, sometimes we talk about, well, the tithe belongs to God. Or tithe, some, some will say, well, tithes, we're supposed to give tithes and offerings. But did you know that everything belongs to God? It's not just the tithe. Everything belongs to God. And we're to hold the resources of our life loosely because we're stewards of the resources that God has given us. What if God was to tell me to spend an amount of money I wasn't expecting to spend? Uh, What if God was to tell me to to use resources I had set apart for something else to fulfill a need? You see, God has the right to do that because he's God. What if God were to tell me, I don't want you doing this, I want you doing this. Right? Same thing is true. So God has blessed us and we, we hold 
when, when we're walking by faith, we hold the things of this life loosely, and we allow God to direct our path. Uh, and as we do, we enter into the exciting walk of faith, and we see God move and work. And things we never thought we would see, or perhaps we never ways we never thought God would use us, we see God using us and doing things through our lives that we never thought were possible. And we think, is this, is this me? I mean, God, God, I could never do this. This is what God has done in my life. And, and, and it's, a, it's amazing what God will do when we'll just surrender and let him have his way in our lives. So God has blessed you wherever you have been. Glorify and honor God with the resources and the gifts and, that you have and then use them to serve others. And if you don't know Jesus, can I tell you something? Ultimately, this scripture looks forward to an individual who would be the descendant of David, but also of Nathan and through adoption through Solomon. And uh, his name is Jesus Christ. And he would come to do the most significant work ever. God had blessed him. Um, and uh, no one ever spoke as this man spoke, right? Jesus spoke like no one else. They send the guards to arrest him. Or, and uh, they're so spellbound by, his, by what he's saying. They, they can't go through with the arrest. Uh, Jesus was perfectly righteous. He had all the resources of heaven at his disposal. And what did he do? God says, my plan is to go to the cross. And Jesus says, not my will, but your will. He's holding the things of his life loosely, and he lays down his life and rose from the dead. And this little obscure, I use that phrase in terms of how he would be perceived in that day probably, uh, this obscure man from Palestine changed the course of the world because he was willing to use the blessings God had given us. Um, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. What might God ask you to lay down to be obedient to him? Are you holding it loosely? Could God use you to make a difference in someone else's life. If you don't know Jesus, he has died on the cross for sin. He's raised from the dead. And the Bible says he calls us, because of that price he's paid on Calvary that, that covers our sin and provides a way to heaven, uh, he asks us to repent and put our trust in Jesus so that we can have that eternal life. And if you've not done that tonight, I want to invite you to do that. Uh, you can do that through a simple prayer of trust and surrender. Say, Lord Jesus, I choose to turn from my sin in my own way to follow Christ, follow you. And I receive that gift of eternal life. And if that's your heart today, at the, then I'm going to invite you to come and make that decision as we uh, begin uh, a time of invitation. And uh, if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ, maybe you need to come to this altar and say, Lord, I'm open to be used. Here am I. Send me. Uh, Lord, my resources are at your disposal. My life is at your disposal. You do with what you desire with me. This altar is open. If you need prayer, I'll be here at the front. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for using people like us. And, and uh, Lord, for uh, saving us from sin, those of us who know Christ, and, and giving us a purpose that is beyond ourselves. Um, 
Thank you, Lord, for the cross of Jesus Christ that provides salvation for sinners. And, uh, Lord, I pray that any who don't know Christ would give their hearts and lives to him tonight in simple trust. And, Lord, I pray that those of us who know Jesus would lay our lives down as you lead us to follow you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.